Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good morning. It's a great day to be in church, isn't it? If you would take your Bibles and turn over to Colossians, the third chapter. We're going to talk about the first through the third verse and the rest of the Bible before I get done. (laughs) You know, every time I get up here, I tell you that that's my favorite book or that's my favorite book. Man, I love this weather. I, we were standing out there talking. Somebody said, it's going to get hot this week. That was Philip, yeah. It's going to get hot. Man, I love hot weather. I was out walking like I normally do and run into a guy uptown. He said, oh, it's fixing to get hot. And I said, no, I'm fixing to get happy. <laughs> See, since we retired, I've, I've started this farming thing. I've got me a little garden going. Got me some maters. Made her sandwiches, of course. You got to have made her sandwiches. I got to, yeah, Duke's man. <laughs> I got uh, some uh, squash, and I've got some cucumbers. I got some cantaloupe. Now, I've been studying all this on YouTube because we didn't have a garden when I was growing up. Y'all know, I, I planted a whole box of macaroni, and none of that came up. <laughs> You know, they said, they said, grow what you like. I had, I I thought, well, corn. I poked at least 14 holes in top of that can. None of that came up. You know, when you study this stuff on YouTube, I think you better watch who you're listening to. I'm just saying. You know, the guy on the macaroni, he said to plant it with the elbow down. Can you imagine planting a whole box of macaroni with the elbow down and none of it coming up? None of it. And I'm talking to my brother-in-law. He said, no, the elbow goes up, so water don't stand in it. I'll try that next year. I'm not planting another whole box of macaroni. That's out. Let's pray together before I continue all these lies. (laughs) Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for an awesome time of worship. Father, open our hearts to your word. There's not a person in here that don't need to hear from you today. I ask you, Father, to hide me behind your cross, that Jesus might be high and lifted up in this place. I ask, Father, that he would be glorified. I pray that we would know him better. I pray for those that don't know him, that today they would meet him and acknowledge his lordship in their lives. It's a good day to love you, Lord. 
So we give ourselves to you. We lay ourselves on your altar, and we ask, Father, that you administer to us today that when we leave this place, we would be different than we were when we came in. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Colossians, the first chapter, Mark, do you find it, Colossians, in the New Testament? Got it? Okay, Colossians, the third chapter. We've been, we've been talking about these three verses for the last three Sundays. Pastor Greg has been talking about men and women. Now we're talking about us, all lessons, not just the men's and the women's. We're talking about all of us and our responsibility in the kingdom. The Bible says... Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, for you have died. That's interesting, isn't it? Every time I read that in the Bible, I think that's interesting. But for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, as we're concluding this series on surrendering to the truth, there's two words in there that we need to consider. One of them is surrender. The second one is truth. Do you know the truth and have you surrendered to it? One of the things I love about this church is the gospel. It's the gospel message. We can come in here every Sunday and we have a pastor that preaches the gospel. It's a gospel that Christ left us. The gospel means good news. And we hear the gospel every Sunday at Chestnut Ridge. And I'm thankful for Pastor Greg. And I'm thankful for an opportunity to stand up here and share the gospel with you, the good news. I hope... In America today, I hope you know that every church is not hearing the gospel. Because the bottom line of the gospel is, you must be born again. You must be born again. That's the gospel of Christ. You must be born again. John 3, 3. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. Jesus said, you must be born again. Who did he say that to? Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law. He was steeped into the traditions of the church. He knew everything about the church. He knew how it was supposed to run. He knew everything about the church. His whole life was the church. And he come during the night for a meeting with Jesus to say, Teacher, we've seen the things that you do and we know that you are from God. That's interesting, isn't it? Somebody from the church has come to see Jesus saying, we know you're from God. Although we disagree with everything that you're doing, you're tearing the church all to pieces. Jesus said, 
to a Pharisee of the Pharisees, you must be born again. You see, we're steeped into the traditions of the church. I've been in church my whole life. I told you last time I was up here, I had a drug problem. Mom and Daddy drug us to church every Sunday. We were going to church. But Mama, I got leukemia. Get up, boy. You're going to church. It didn't matter. I lost my leg last night. It didn't matter. We were going to church. I knew I, I have served in every position in the church. Except women's director. I wouldn't take that. There's <laughs> certain things a man can't do. I didn't do it. But I was asked. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's important for us to understand the tradition of the church isn't necessarily about the gospel. Do you understand that? That just because you know and understand the church doesn't necessarily you under, mean you understand Christ. Here you've got a Pharisee of the Pharisees asking Jesus, what is all this about? You see, the reason that people in churches today don't understand Jesus is because they want to please people in the church. Does that make sense? See, we come here together this morning to worship, to praise because that's what we do. And I wouldn't doubt that there's probably somebody in this room today that has not acknowledged Christ as Lord of their life. This church is not like all churches. I want you to know that. And I've been in a lot of churches. And God's given me the opportunity to preach to thousands, to sing to thousands. And I can tell you, you can walk in a church and speak to a congregation and they look at their shoes just about the whole time you're speaking. When you give the invitation, they're like this. They won't look at you. When you're singing, and it's hard to present the message of Christ to people that don't want to know him, and they don't want you to mess up their church. When you think about the truth and what the truth is, Jesus said, you have to be born again. It's important for us to understand that is the beginning of the gospel. That's the beginning of our responsibility, men and women, that we have to be born again. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, and there's only two. Can I get an amen? amen. There's only man and woman. You can read anything else you want to read, but if it disagrees with this, it's a lie. It's important for us to understand that the saving knowledge of Christ is the beginning of our responsibility, to know and understand that He is Lord. And we've acknowledged His Lordship in our lives. You have not been born again if you have not been born again. You have not been born again if you have not been born again. Have you surrendered your life and placed yourself in God's care for eternity? 
I love that statement. Hey, and I wrote it. <laughs> Have you placed yourself in God's care for all eternity? I was talking to somebody not too long ago. I said, you know, there won't be any watches in heaven. You ever thought about that? There's no time in heaven. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? In John 8, verse 32, Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 38 says, So if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you know what it's like not to be in bondage to this world? Do you know the freedom of Christ? The truth will set you free. John 14, 6 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the So who is truth? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Do you know the truth? I can tell you today in the world we live in, you want to see YouTube about planting macaroni, it'll lie to you. You want to watch the news? They'll lie to you. You want to take your facts from Facebook? Praying for you. They'll lie to you. Won't they do it? <laughs> Everywhere you go in this world today, you're going to find a lie. They will lie to you. They'll lie to you to tell you that all you got to be is a good person. They'll lie to you. The news will lie to you. I'm convinced even the weatherman's lying to us. Everybody's lying, it seems. You see, they want you to know a version of the truth that supports their opinions. That version of truth just has a tad of truth in it, and the rest of it is their opinion. That's what they want you to believe. And if you do believe it, you're believing a lie. Where are you looking for the truth? What does the truth mean to you? You want to know the truth? Jesus is the truth. You see, Okra Windbag will tell you... That's not her name. Oprah, I'm sorry. Okra will tell you that there's a lot of ways to heaven. Okra will tell you that there's a lot of ways that you can get to heaven. Okra is lying to you. Jesus said, I am the way. You see, a lot of churches, a lot of religion tells you, if you work hard, if you'll be my missionary for two years and go spread this lie to everybody you can find, you have a place in heaven. Show me that. It's a lie. A lot of churches, a lot of religions, a lot of people will tell you if you're a good person, you can go to heaven. It's not true. There's going to be a lot of people on that day that stands before God and said, don't you remember all that money I gave to the Red Cross? 
Don't you remember when I went over and built a habitat house? Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. You have never acknowledged the work that I did on Calvary as payment for your sin. You don't want anything to do with me then. You're not going to have anything to do with me now. That's the love of God, y'all. You see, Christ has never sent anybody to hell. He made a way for us to spend eternity with him. That's the truth. You see, we support ideas and we support beliefs that's contrary to the Word of God and we think it's right because they have convinced us it's right because we don't know any different. That's an interesting statement. You see, it's not about living right, doing the right things. We have wrong ambitions. We have wrong motives. Knowing the truth means that we have to change a lot of things in our lives when we know the truth. We quit supporting things. We quit talking about things. We quit doing things when we know the truth. I can tell you when I became a Christian, when I was almost 22 years old, my whole life changed. You see, you heard Greg say it last week. He, when he was a boy, he, he got baptized when he was seven or eight years old. I did too. He got baptized when the guy asked him, I won't marry you unless you acknowledge Christ. I'm in. Sign me up. You see, you can be baptized until the fish know your social security number. But you're still not saved until you acknowledge Christ as Lord of your life. You see, it's not about what we do. It's not our works. Baptism is our profession of faith. It's a coming out party that we belong to Jesus now. You see, I made Mama happy when I was about seven and a half, eight years old, me and my twin. We marched right down there. and I don't remember the preacher praying a prayer with me. The, pr the question was, do you want to join the church? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's all I do to say. Because I wanted mama to be happy. When I was baptized, when I was almost 22 years old, I knew Jesus. And it was a coming out party. You see, everything in my life changed when I knew the truth. Everything. I lost every friend that I had. <laughs> they got sick of hearing about Jesus what he had done in my life and they said you are a fanatic <laughs> yes I am I'm the biggest fan he's got I'm still excited about meeting him what a difference that made in my life I read a blog not too long ago it's one of my favorite blogs I read once a week they send it out but I, I, let me let me paraphrase this for you. I, it talked about a watered-down gospel. The gospel that we have in America today. It's a message of hope without accountability. I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing. It's a message of hope without accountability. It's a message of blessing without sacrifice. A message of salvation without commitment. A message, a false message 
a false gospel, a message that soothes the soul, calms the fears, satisfies our needs. I mean, we don't really want to offend anybody, do we? We don't want to make anybody mad about this, do we? I mean, if I make you mad, will you be back next Sunday? If I tell you about your sin, will you be back next Sunday? If I make you mad, will you quit serving? If I make you mad, will you quit giving? I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? To build a church, to build a big church where people come and people know our names. That's not the goal. We're a corporate body of believers. That's the church. It's not about that. You see, I want you to know that false hope is no hope. False message is a lie. False salvation is eternity in hell. That's what the Bible says. Don't believe the false message. Don't believe in false hope. So I'm thankful, again, for the gospel of Christ that's preached here in this church every Sunday. You know when you come here, you're going to hear the gospel. But if you come here, and Greg or, or myself teach you something that's contrary to this word, will you know the difference? Many years ago when we were at Bethlehem, Peggy and I had uh, a Sunday school class that had 90 people in it. And one Sunday, I got up and I read several passages from the Book of Mormon. Was you there, Neil? <laughs> Nobody knew. Nobody knew that I read that from the Book of Mormon. And that was my whole point. Do you know this well enough to know if I'm lying to you or not? It's important. Do you stay in this? If you hear a lie on YouTube, if you hear a lie from a TV preacher... If you hear somebody preaching something contrary to God's word, do you know it? Do you say, whoa, whoa, that's not right. That's not what Jesus said. See, we're absolutely inundated with information these days. Everywhere we go, it's a new spin on something. We hear so much about sexuality. We hear so much about genders. We hear so much about the left, the right, left, the right. <laughs> we hear so much about so much. Where do you stand? Do you know where you stand? Because I'm standing on this. That's not right. I don't care how many genders they tell me there are. And God created them, male and female. That's the answer. That's where we stand. You've heard me say it over and over and over. The church in America doesn't even know where it stands anymore. We have people in the pulpit 
that aren't living God's Word. We have people teaching Sunday school that's not te teaching God's Word. We have people on the stage singing that's not living God's Word. And we're not holding anybody accountable to this because we don't want to offend anybody. You want to grow a church, a church of believers, a church of people who love Christ. That's what I want to be a part of. Because that church will change this world. You think of what 11 disciples did after they saw Jesus die on that cross and saw him on the road to Demaeus and at the houses. Saw him eating fish on the shore. Saw him ascend and said, this same Jesus that you saw taken away from you will come again in like manner. What will you be doing when he comes back? You know, I've heard it said many times in recent years, it's time. I believe he's coming back. You, say, you know, we know the days and the, and the seasons. We don't know the time. A day is like a thousand years. A year, a thousand years is like a day. There's no way to predict when he's coming back, but he says to keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep the fire going, y'all. He's coming back. And I want to be standing there with my torch. Yes, Lord. That's where I want to be. And I'm going home. He says the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, I always thought that was the Methodist. But anyway, it, <laughs> the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. That's the truth. One day... He's coming back, and we're going home. Do you know where you stand? Do you know what to believe? The Bible says God wants us to study His Word so we know Him and know His truth. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of truth. Is that verse underlined in your Bible? You see, that's why I want you to bring your Bibles to church in an ink pen. That's a very important verse in, in your Bible. Accurately handling the word of truth. That's important for us. Because the wind blows this way, and the wind blows this way. We don't want to be blown anywhere. We want to stand. It don't matter how hard the wind's blowing. Stand. We're anchored in Christ. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. What is success? Success for me, my goal in life is to one, hear, one day hear the Savior say, Well done, Dale. Well done, Dale. You did well. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Is that your goal? You see, this is only qualifying. This is only the heat race. This is where we qualify for heaven. This is where we acknowledge his work on Calvary. This is where we acknowledge his lordship in our lives. And on that day, he's going to say, well done. 
Can you hear the Savior say that to you? Well done, Dewey. Well done. One day, he's going to go through the alphabet, down through the A's, the B's, the C's. He's going to finally get down to my name. And I'm going to stand up there and say, Oh, Lord, I'm here. Oh, when I get up to heaven, when I fought and won this race, when I finally stand in the glory land, just a sinner saved by grace, when I hear the hallelujahs and the glad hosannas ring, and the saints from every tribe and tongue, the Savior's praises sing. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. That put cold chills all over me. To think about being in that throng of people, worshiping and praising our Lord, because we said yes here. Because I, we said I know what you did for me on Calvary. I know. You see, we meet here for corporate worship. We meet here as a group, a family, a body of believers. Don't you think it's interesting that God called us a family? That we are a body? That's kind of hard to use this body as an example. Been a few places. <laughs> but you know, in every body... There's hands, there's feet, there's a mouth, there's ears, there's eyes, there's a liver, there's a heart. Don't you think it's interesting that God called us a body? See, this is the place we come together as the body. And all of us have different gifts, different things that he wants us to do. See, here we learn this is not the place we study. This is not the place we get deep into the Word. This is the place where we come together for worship and for encouragement. Together, together, to hear about Him and who He is. And we worship Him in song as a body so we can encourage each other. Hebrews 10 says, To forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because here's where we come for hope and encouragement. But at home is where we study. We learn this. We ingest this. We live this word when we go to work, when we go to play, when we go to school, where we go. People will see us when we go to the grocery store. They will know that we belong to him because of how we act. Because we live out this word through our lives and we may be the only Jesus that this world ever sees are you living him because that's our goal people see Christ in our lives if you were arrested today would there be enough evidence to convict you for being a Christian If you were arrested today, would people be able to look at your habits and say, he loves Jesus? Would, would they look at your bank account and say, no evidence here? Would they look in your mailbox and go, no evidence here? 
Or would they look in your bank account and say, he is wide open. He gives it away. You see, you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. The principle of God's word is real. You live according to his financial principles, I promise you, press down, shaken down, running over. I'll open the doors of heaven for you and pour the blessing beyond that which you're able to stand. That's what he said. Can they look at your computer browser and know that you love Jesus? Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian if you were arrested? You see, we live this life. This is not about church. This is about me and you. This is about the life we live when people are around us and people will know. People know you by the life you live. I worked with a guy one time and I heard him say, you know, at church yesterday, and I went, he goes to church? <laughs> have you ever met anybody like that? Most of us have. Think, whoo, wonder what he goes to church for. Because if you can't tell that I'm a Christian by talking to me, and by being around me and watching my life, then I'm not much of a Christian, y'all. Am I? That's the way life is. We are who we are. It's not who we say we are. It's who we are. Can they look at your TV watching and tell that you're a Christian? Do the things that come into your house represent Christ? Because... Those are the things that we are. I want to tell you a story about a couple that came into my office when I was over at Bethlehem. And they, they've got a little girl. She was between two and three years old. And you know, when, when a couple comes in and, and they're awful ashamed, you wonder what they've done. <laughs> you know, you kind of look at it and go, oh, do I really want to hear this? And they said, we just feel like we need to tell somebody. And I said, okay. <laughs> and they, they told me of something that they had lost in their house. It was some little something that they couldn't find anywhere, but they made it their mission in life to find it. And they were turning their house upside down. They looked through every drawer. They looked through every cabinet. They looked under the mattress. They looked everywhere. And the dad said that he was in the bathroom. He had the vanity cabinet doors open, and he was raking everything out. And the little girl come walking in there and said, Dad, what the heck you looking for? Except she didn't say heck. <laughs> little ears, be careful. She said, what the hell you looking for? He said, my head hit the sink. I was coming out from under, and I looked at her, and I, I said, what did you say? And she said it again. What the heck are you looking for? He said, I just jerked her up and took her to her mama. <laughs> That's a good move, dude. <laughs> he said, tell mama what you just said, and she said it again. And her mama about lost her mind. 
What? We don't talk like that here. We don't use that kind of language. Where did you hear that? And the baby Jesus started crying. She was crying so hard. She could see mom and daddy was all upset. And she said, tell me. Tell me where you heard that. Tell me. And baby got straightened up. She said, well, y'all thought it was funny when we heard it on TV. Heart shot. Pow. Little ears hear what goes on in our houses. Big ears hear what goes on in our houses. What comes through that TV comes into our hearts and into our heads. And it changes our lives. Be careful what you let into your house because it molds and it makes you into a person that you see on TV. You talk like that person on TV. You see, I remember a time when there wasn't any profanity on TV. Absolutely none. And then over the years, over the years, it just keeps on. It just keeps on. It gets crazier and crazier. Crazier. Can't watch it. I can't watch that crazy stuff. And see, we have to know what's coming into our house. What our kids are seeing, what we're seeing is part of who we are. That language in our home, little ears pick it up. Our families are important. We need to nurture our families at home. We need to teach them the Bible at home. They need to know and understand what this is. Our families are important. See, I want you to know that churches don't make up families. Families make up churches. You think it's weird that this government, that this media, that this left-wing idiocy that we see in our culture every day is attacking the family? Of course they're attacking the family because if they can attack the family, they're attacking the church. And we're going, what's going on here? Understand, they're attacking everything that we love. They're attacking the things that we believe. And we're just sitting around doing nothing. Because we're thinking, this is America. And I tell people all the time, I don't know if this is as bad as it gets, but, you know, I wasn't in Poland in 1939 when the Germans and the Russians invaded, killed millions of people. We think it can't happen today. Better put your ears on better put your eyes out they allowed that language in their home and just like that their kids talking like that it's as simple as it is isn't it it really is and that's why the family is under attack today and it's important for us as moms and dads to, to take care of our kids to know what they're living to know what they're seeing to know what we're teaching them you see, we as a family in here, as the family of God, we all have roles to play here too. You see, all of us aren't gifted to be the speaker. All of us aren't gifted to be the teacher. All of us aren't gifted to teach Sunday school. All of us aren't gifted, but we all have gifts. Some of us are ministers. Some of us care for people that are hurting. Some of us are gifted with hospitality. When people come, we feed them. 
We have ideas of how we can minister to this family. The Bible says in first of all to the household of faith. That's us. We should be taking care of our family. You know, it was once said that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its wounded. We should be taking care of each other. When we fall down, there should be somebody from our family to come and pick us up. Not step on our neck. Say, you know what he's done? We need to help each other up. When we fall, I didn't say if. When we fall, somebody needs to help us up. And I'm looking at faces. All of us need to be working on picking each other up. You see, we all can't preach and we all can't teach and we all can't, but you can do something. You see, there's, there's roles to play, things to do. Let me give you an object lesson about the family. Let me give you an object lesson about the body of Christ. Now, when you go home today, I want you to go to where the hammer is. Take your hammer. Take your hammer in your dominant hand and put your finger on the cabinet and hit it as hard as you can. That's the body right there. You know what's going to happen? After all the praise... Thank you, Jesus. First thing that's going to happen is blood starts rushing to that finger to heal it. If it's not doing this. It starts the healing process immediately. That's your body. That's our body. Next thing that happens is that finger goes in this hand. A hand goes to minister. It holds it. There he goes. It's this. But your body ministers to your body. Do you understand? Sometimes your, your eyes keep it wet. <laughs> that hurts. Have you ever hit your finger and say, okay. No, I hate to hit my fingers. But the rest of my body ministers to that finger until it's better. Because it's amazing. When you do something like that, every time you go around a door face and you hit that finger on it, and that member comes <laughs> and sometimes your legs get to working. My mama used to, every time she had opened the refrigerator door, the milk would fall out. And guess what my mama would do? It was the craziest thing. She'd stick out her foot to stop it. You didn't match her toes flat. I never understood that. That milk is not part of my family. <laughs> But then the part of the family was hurting. She'd have to go sit down and, and she'd hold that foot. That's who we are as a family. We minister to, don't hit your finger when you go home. But if you do, I want to know about it, okay? <laughs> Just see which parts of your body ministers to your finger. Because that hurts. But that's the, that's the way the family works. Just as soon as you hit your finger, the rest of your body knows it's in peril and it goes to minister to it. And that's the way we should be. That we care that our, our family's hurting, our body is hurting. There's people in our church that are struggling. That matters.
take on the characteristics of Christ. That's who we are. When people see us, they should see Jesus. So as those who have been chosen, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called to one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Anything and everything that you do, do it for the glory of God. Because we're His. It's time to show this world whose we are. It's time for this world to know that God changed us through Christ. His work on Calvary, He changed our life. We're not like this world. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. We've been set apart We've been sanctified for the glory of God. And that's who we are. So I have to ask you, what's your goal? Who are you? What do you do? Do you love kids? you love working with kids? Barbara needs you. Barbara needs you to work with kids. We should be covered up with kids workers. Everybody likes kids but me. <laughs> I've tried it though that's how I know <laughs> do you love students I'm sure Jeremy would love to have somebody come and work with him with students you see all of us are gifted all of us have places to be and things to do in the family of God Barbara shouldn't be asking for people to work with the kids she, she should be saying to you, well, maybe we can use you next quarter. We're full. That's what a church is. That's what the family of God is. We serve. We live out our faith through service. And everything we do, we do everything for the glory of God. Do you sing? Maybe you can sing. Maybe you can play. Maybe you can teach. Maybe you can, you put the word on it. Because all of us are gifted. All of us can be used in the kingdom of God. See, we in the body are called to serve in the body. Serve the master, the author and finisher of our faith. He is our redeemer and he deserves our very best. Do everything in the name of the Lord. Giving thanks through him to our Father. Verse 17. In closing... Have you thought about the truth? Have you thought about what the truth is? Have you surrendered to the truth? Do you know the truth? Do you know what the truth is in your life? Well, you know, I haven't been very, very busy in the family. 
I haven't been very busy in the body. There's things for me to do. And there is. There's things to do. And all of us are called to do something. Do it. Can you remember? Can you go to a specific time in your life when you were by yourself, probably, in your heart of hearts, you thought, I don't know you. But I want you to forgive me. You see, we're all sinners. We're all thieves. We're all liars. We all have missed the mark, haven't we? I want you to forgive me for who I am, first of all. And I want you to forgive me for what I've done. And I know that you died on Calvary, but now I know you died for me. That that blood sacrifice was the only payment that God would accept as payment for my sin. He didn't know that I did, but he paid it. And I want to thank him for it. And I ask you to be Lord of my life. I want to surrender to the truth that he be Lord of my life today. Is there a specific time in your life that you've done that? Because if, there, if there's not, I want you to think about that this morning. Today, you can meet him. Today can be the best day in the rest of your life. I can tell you January 5th, 1975 was the best day of the rest of my life. Meeting Jesus. I'm still excited about it. Do you know him? Do you know who I've been talking about? Do you know this word and how to live it? That's the truth. As best as I can explain it this morning, that's the truth. Do you know the truth? Whom the sun sets free free indeed. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today. That you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins. And I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.